Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure that you knew that my online knee course with Lenny Macrina is on sale for $200 off this week. If you want to learn exactly how to evaluate and treat the knee, you're going to love our comprehensive course where we cover our clinical examination, exercise progressions, and specific information on ACL, meniscus, patellofemoral, articular cartilage, osteoarthritis, and so much more. Plus, you can earn a ton of CEU credit. The course is on sale this week for $200 off. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we have a special episode all on mobility. We answer a bunch of great questions on mobility-related issues. We talk about forcing end range with things like shoulder cars. We talk about uh, forcing through pain or discomfort. We actually talk about um, whether or not it's worthwhile to push through some people that feel like they're tight, but they still have an excessive amount of mobility. So great big issue on mobility and Dave's hamstring flexibility. You're not going to want to miss this one. The Ask Mike Reinhold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reinhold Show. We are up in Boston at Champion PT Performance. Lenny McCrina, Dave Tilly. Dave just gliding around here, Dan Pope, Mike Scaduto, all here answering your questions. We got a good episode this time. I think we got, this is the mobility episode, right, Brooks? Brooks is in charge. This is a good one on a bunch of questions on mobility, which I think we're good because we get a bunch of questions just like this. So Brooks Klein from UNLV is going to ask us some questions, followed by Haley Brinkman from the University of North Dakota and Maddie B. Birkenstock from Matt Burke from um, from University of Utah. Are we a sponsorship from Berkey, Berkey, Birkenstocks. Uh, what, do, what, what do we have, Brooks? First up, we have Chester from Nashville. Great show, guys. Can I get your opinion on shoulder CARs and shoulder extension mobility movements for baseball pitchers? I hear it's not good to go behind the back as you want to avoid loosening the front. All right, so good question on shoulder cars, right? I think they pronounce cars like from FRC. So we actually get a lot of questions on this stuff, and we've actually been avoiding it. We tend to avoid uh, giving opinions on specific systems and stuff like that. We tried a little bit here, but, man, we're seeing a lot of this stuff. So shoulder cars where we're working on uh, – what's car stand for again? I forget. Controlled totally forget. articular It's just controlled, right? So we're work, working on controlling your movements throughout the range of motion. I mean, you know, especially specifically extension for baseball player in this one. I don't know. Who wants to start? I mean, I obviously – I have some thoughts and stuff. I, you know, it's – you know, this, I think it's a good example to use it in a baseball player, but so I want to nicely course. start. Yeah, I took the course. I took yeah. FRC in Connecticut, and I didn't take the soft tissue one, but I've talked with uh, Andrew a few times, and I think it, this is such a cop-out answer, but it really depends. Like, it really does depend about, like, should you have the ability to, in an unloaded position, squat fully with your back flexed? Probably, yeah, but you shouldn't load that. Should you have the ability to fully put your arm behind your back a little bit? Probably to reach in the back of your car and stuff, but are you going to load that if it's not for your sport? For me specifically, I took that course because it fit perfectly in gymnastics, right? It was like right in my wheelhouse. I thought it had some really valuable things to take away, but male gymnasts need 80 degrees of shoulder extension loaded at like violently at end range, right? So like I should probably develop that and do some things to strengthen that through other means of transmission, but it fits for that person. It doesn't fit for female gymnasts. They don't do a lot of that. And if I do that, 
high degree of end range outside just body weight, I might cause some more problems. So right. it totally depends. It's like, you know, and I think that Andrew and some of these guys have said too, like use your brain, take the principles and like apply it where it's appropriate. But if someone starts to have pain, if someone starts to get some, some instability, it's like, you know, pull back and find another solution. Yeah, I mean, this, this totally reminds me of just like, I feel like five, ten years ago, we were all talking about like, is yoga good for you? Yeah. Well, I am, yeah, yoga is great for some people and it's not good for other people, right? And people that tend to be good at these things are, they tend to be mobile, right? Because they can perform these things. So, um, I don't know. Anybody, Len, you want to speak specifically on that? Does a baseball player need shoulder extension? Yeah, no, um, <laughs> not really. I mean, you don't want to, they already have enough stress on the anterior capsule and, and those structures. So to try to crank on it, and we know that the, humoral adaptations that happen with throwing is going to affect their ability to reach behind their back. Like, I can't get my right arm where my left one is behind my back because of probably humoral adaptation. So to try, to try to crank on that, you have to break my bone in order for me to get somewhere close to symmetrical. So Just blast I, that I, bone. I don't, uh, I, don't, blast that I don't see it as a priority for baseball in particular. Maybe a gymnast or maybe somebody in CrossFit yeah, who's doing dips. higher level yeah, high, higher level gymnastics. Or something yes. you, you, I think you that, do that you may... You, you know, you may find a spot, but you got to watch the rotator cuff too, and, and those uh, those anterior structures, biceps. So, yeah, you know, I, tread cautiously. You know, end range is super interesting. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how functional it is to have full end range shoulder extension for most people, right? Like, even reach behind to get in your backseat of your car, just it's more trunk rotation than it is shoulder extension. You know, it's just little things like that. I just, I just don't know how functional it is. So, it's one of those things. I mean, I think we're seeing a paradigm shift where you know everybody you know is trying to focus on like getting this this stuff more and this end range thing. Look, we w there's a difference about end range. Usually, when we're using our joints at end range, it's because it's being thrown there, I don't want to say violently, but with high speed and force, and we have to then control our end range, right? And I don't know if just doing some slow, isometric, kind of like basic movements and end range is really combating that. I mean, if you actually look at the at your proprioceptive like like uh, benefits or your proprioceptive abilities, I should say, uh, you have greater proprioception at end range than you do at mid-range which tells you a whole lot about the way the joint works and the capsule works. If you have more proprioception at end range, that probably means you're probably trying to avoid end range and stabilize against getting into end range. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I think there's a big difference between controlling end range and what we have and forcing end range. And I think we're starting to see that with some of these mobility drills that we're seeing. You know, yes, I think it's appropriate for some people, but I think we're using it on way too many people and and really I'm, I'm just you know i don't know clinical implication wise i think we just have to keep that in mind it right good on insta right yeah no no it's cool on this is some new it's a new mobility drill right which we all have but like you know so you know interesting i mean the, the big one we're seeing a ton of hip stuff right so maybe we touched briefly on hip stuff and even frc based hip stuff we've seen a ton of hip stuff you know like i don't know quickly any thoughts and dan you haven't jumped in your th thoughts on forcing hip end range range of motion like you deal with a ton of hip injuries what do you think yeah um i, I think that the hip injuries i see and I'm, I'm biased right just because i see a lot of people that hurt but we see a lot of people that have hip pain in the bottom position of a squat so you end up doing a lot of force hip flexion internal rotation drills and i think that's like the apta clinical practice guidelines too they say to avoid those positions individuals that have impingement uh, we get a lot of people that have a lot of tightness in the front of their hip there's tightness because i think what you're just getting is a bunch of compression um, and I think what happens is that, so some individuals that have that tightness over the course of time, they adapt to it and the pain goes away, kind of like having a barbell on your back. It hurts at first and it gets better. Um, and I think some people just end up getting impingement and it gets more painful and it gets worse. So yeah. uh, I think it can become an issue when some people are doing more internal rotation and flexion drills to increase range of motion. And for some people, maybe it'll help them adapt better and they'll, they'll do well because of it. 
Um, it's just not the first thing that I want to try to do. You know, yeah. that's specifically for the hip for those individuals that want to squat deeper. I, we all have differences in our bony anatomy, and I think that's a big deal that we're finding here. There's not one specific drill that's good for everybody. And if you have a drill that's pushing you to complete end range, and then you're trying to move it even more through end range, I, I think you're gonna you're gonna cause some irritation in a lot of people. I mean, it, it's not just tightness. Sometimes you literally get to joint end range of motion. So if you're at the end range of motion, so you know, a hip's a great example. If you if you completely if you articulate your femur on your acetabular rim, for example, and then perform a drill, man, we're just putting chair force on some structures here, right? Like this is this is how meniscus tears happen and acetabular acetabular uh, uh, um, you know labral tears happen. This is how issues in the shoulder happen and stuff like that. So it's it's this pushing at end range. We've got to be careful, but it probably comes down to what I always say, right? Corrective exercise bell curve. This is probably good for twenty percent of the people probably it right and it's probably really really bad for 20 percent of the people right where you're going to screw some people up and then everybody else in the middle it's either it's just probably neutral you're probably just just doing it it's fine or, or something like that but man if this is something you're jumping to without going through the right steps to get them through there and we're just jumping right to that i think that's where we're going to be cautious because you're going to get some people that you know this this could actually aggravate so made me think about disagree it. i was treating somebody when i was working in alabama after a bank heart repair so she had surgery because her shoulder dislocated because she was getting a massage by somebody, a therapist, and put her in that position to get better, I don't know, where he was trying to massage her back or shoulder, and dislocated her shoulder. Now, it's an extreme example, but it can happen, so you better be ready for the ramifications if somebody subluxes or dislocates, because I've seen N equals one for me, but that's enough for me. Yeah, I've, and, and you know, just conceptually, I feel like we need to get like super strong and powerful in like the 75% of our mid-range, right? And we have to be able to control our end range. I think it's just a big difference. You know, I, you know, I don't know if, if pushing past a, a potential physiological limit is an issue, right? So look, sleeper stretch is the exact same thing, and we kind of stopped about that. I'm actually wondering if we're seeing some sleeper stretches of the hip on Instagram right now. Something to keep in mind. So maybe a good good note to end on right there. So. Awesome. Haley, what do we got? What's next? We have Sean from Arizona. I work with a lot of female athletes. One thing that I've noticed is they all seem really flexible, but they always say they feel tight. A good example is when I stretch their hamstrings. So, what do you do in this situation? Stretch or not stretch? Uh, this is perfect for Haley, too. You, are you like this? Yeah, I can really relate. <laughs> I really can. Really, really. I mean, I can't tell how many patients. Yeah, it's, it's funny. The patients where you try to, you, you know, you stretch, check their... <laughs> No. <laughs> you know, really showing how poor my flexibility is. But you try to stretch their hamstring, you almost like put their knee to their face. They're the ones that are like, oh, yeah, that feels super tight. Right? So, Dave, th- this is your world. So, but wh- why is it, because I feel like I've seen this, why is it that the people that have a- excessive flexibility say they feel tight? What do you think? Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, coming from a life in gymnastics, right? I think you're always encouraged, and this is a, a cultural problem in sports like this, gymnastics, ballet, yoga, whatever. You're always encouraged to, like, feel a stretch. Right. So like you may be getting more mobile over time from adaptations, but you're still like if you don't feel yourself stretching. You're going to keep going further. You're going to keep going further. And I think that when you look at some of the literature on tissue and some other stuff, I think there's an interesting, um, you know, emergence of evidence that like people who are more hypermobile in general have just different proprioceptive connective tissue properties. Right. So like they don't feel like if you put me in like 110, I'm like, yeah, like a little bit. Right. 110 on somebody else. If you like, dude, you're going to pop it out like it's bad. So I think the sensitivity and the gain of like some of their afferent fibers are different. That's something to consider. But the other thing I think people miss is that these athletes are training, right? These athletes are like like gymnasts work out six days a week usually four hours like like you get tight after you lift you get tight after you train i think like when you watch a gymnast or a ballet dancer someone do some extreme 
leaps and jumps, like one of the reasons they may feel tight over the time is because they're always working out all the time. Right, like yeah. rarely you ever hear Jim is like, yeah, I took three weeks off, and like yeah. it just doesn't happen. So, so I feel like cumulative trap, exactly. stress, right? Think, like eccentric trauma stuff. Right, exactly. So, all right, so would you stretch them, or or was there something else you did? Uh, I would I would do a lot of other things first. You know, I'd try to manage some soft tissue. You know, try to do some more. Uh, that's actually, the, that's either the number one to me, right? Right, soft tissue. Um, you know, I think uh, enhancing the recovery process is very important. From you know some stuff I've read from Charlie Weingroff talks about the acidity of muscle and like you know the effects of training on that. How do you combat that long term? So I think like kind of looking more to optimize their recovery, maybe also make sure the exercises that they're doing, strength exercise, whatever it is, are appropriate for them. Like, do you need, uh, could you do a stiff-legged deadlift and feel hamstring stretch and, and work halfway down your shin, or do you have to do a full flexion deficit all over the ground? Yeah, and I, I would just add that I've I, at times when the people are super hypermobile, sometimes less is more. They keep saying like, ah, I don't know why my hamstring keeps hurting, my my, my hip keeps hurting, yeah. or something like that. It's like, well, you're overstretching. Yeah, and you're and, not strong enough. Yeah, you're creating and your workload's crazy. You're creating instability here just because you were just talking about your like you said your afferent like stretch tolerance, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, so I, I think clinically you have to say, do they have enough range of motion? Maybe, and if they do, you know, do soft tissues so that way they they can neuromodulate that that and, that perception. Interestingly enough, right, repeated stretching is thought to be desensitizing. No receptors right so if you spend a lifetime of stretching like it's right. really hard for you to feel anything probably by the time just you're 15 to 18 right yeah right just you got you got <laughs> lots of blasts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys see how I stretch, right? So I, I'm not like a you know a 30 second hold at end range kind of like Bill Bandy based study from the 90s, right? That says this is how you how you get increased hamstring flexibility. I, I I'll do that if we actually have somebody that needs that. But a lot of times we just it's just like kind of going to like they're like like little bit past R1 if you use like the R1 R2 system, but little past R1 neuromodulate the proprioceptors come back coming come again. There. That's neuromodulation. That's not trying to get like you know plasticity of the tissue. It's not trying to get like elongation of the fibers. So I think there's different ways you can do. It. Probably focus on soft tissue. You know, not that, but certainly don't create instability. Uh, eccentric training, right? Good, nice. What do we got, Maddie B? All right, Roger from Washington D.C. Hello, I work at a CrossFit gym and often see people perform the bench T-spine mobilization for lats. Though I agree with this mobilization, I often hear people complain of bicep tendon impingement when doing it. What's happening here, and how can you address it? Nice. So we have some impingement or, or anterior shoulder or superior shoulder pain when you're doing the overhead bench T-spine extension. Open on a rope. For lat here, um, what do we think? Are we smashing here? Are we blasting? Smash. Are we You're smashing? Blast. You got a blast. I think we're smashing, smashing. right here. Yeah. So what do you think, Dan? I mean, is it is it uh, is it one, do you want that? I mean, two, like, yeah. is it, I mean, is it worth stretching if we're causing it shoulder pain? <laughs> I feel like these are pointy questions right now. Um, well, that's a problem we talk about a lot, and we just kind of talked about it with the hip, right? You go to end range of motion, sometimes you get some compression on certain structures because we're getting to the end range of motion. In the shoulder joint, maybe we're getting compression of the rotator cuff and the biceps tendon because we're forcing end range flexion, right? Which is one of these thoughts like, okay, so if you're going to end range the motion and we're causing more compression on these structures, then these positions are already a little bit uh, stressful, I guess, right? So already getting some compression on these tissues. If we're going to be doing a bench mobilization, then maybe we're just compressing the tissues more. They're sensitive from all the training. You experience some pain in the front of the shoulder. Uh, if you're getting athletes where that's happening, I'd say it's probably not a good thing. Uh, one technical error with that exercise is maybe those individuals aren't getting enough, maybe external rotation of the shoulder. Maybe they're not getting enough flexion from the um, thoracic spine. So if you get flexion of thoracic spine, external rotation of the shoulders, you're going to preferentially get more of a lat stretch because of that. 
less end range flexion, less pinching on the bicep. Also, so, super sh- sh- like when you do that, then when you emphasize flexion, that you're super making your shoulder elevation range of motion go down. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's one of those thoughts like make sure that your athlete actually has a limitation, right? If they're getting a lot of pain in that position. I probably wouldn't chase that. And if you really do need more range of motion, I would chase that through more soft tissue interventions that are not compressing the supraspinatus or whatever is up there that's irritated. Yeah, it sounds like you're barking up the wrong tree right there. Like maybe it's not. You're probably doing this drill to increase your lat flexibility because you're trying to get up overhead more. But maybe they have other reasons. I, I, I mean, it's a bench T-spine extension drill that you're working on their lat. Maybe they don't have good T-spine extension, right? <laughs> right. So, like, so that, you know, the, you know, it always comes down when we talk about all these mobility drills. It's the path of least resistance, right? So, the shoulder extension car. If you push them into extension and they don't have that mobility, what do you think is going to happen? Well, something else is going to move, right? So, forcing end range is just going to cause something else. So, on this person, you're forcing end range. So, either you, you know, you're working on the wrong tissue, maybe, like, right? Like, you, you're just, you're, you know, you're barking up the wrong tree, just to say, like, or something like that, or, or, or you're not doing that. But it sounds like we all agree. Anybody disagree though that you probably shouldn't do that right you should probably like work you try to figure out the real source of what their issue is and it's probably not that so don't push through it yeah nice you have shoulder pain refer them out just because that's people think that tightness is normal and it's not really normal i wouldn't say yeah i I bet you we could find five things that i'd rather work on than their lat flexibility in that person so definitely refer out i think that'd be a good way to do it so Nice. Awesome. Great episode. Thanks, guys. The mobility episode. I think this will be a good one. Uh, but, yeah, no, guys, we appreciate it. Head to MikeRinald.com. Click on that podcast link. There's a form to ask us more questions. Just ask away. Head to iTunes and Spotify. Rate, review, subscribe. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.